Chapter Forty Nine of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Forty Nine. Swans in the Water we're coming to something what's that said puddock as a long row of black stakes presented themselves at some distance ahead in the dusky moonlight slanting across the stream tis the salmon weir roared clough with an oath that subsided into something like a sickening prayer it was only a fortnight before that a tipsy fellow had been found drowned in the net Clough had lost his head much more than Puddick, though Clough had fought duels. But then he really could not swim a bit, and he was so confoundedly buckled up. Sit to the right. Trim the boat, sir, said little Puddick. Trim the devil, bawled Clough, to whom this order of Puddick's. It must be owned a useless piece of maritonism in their situation was especially disgusting, and he added, looking furiously ahead, "'Tisn't the boat I trim, I promise you. You, you ridiculous murderer!' Just then Puddock's end of the boat touched a stone or a post or something in the current, and that in which Clough sat came wheeling swiftly round across the stream and brought the gallant captain so near the bank that with a sudden jerk he caught the end of a branch that stretched far over the water and spite of the confounded tightness of his toilet with the energy of sheer terror climbed a good way but reaching a point where the branch forked he could get no further though he tugged like a brick but what was a fat fellow of fifty laced and buckled and buttoned up like poor clough with his legs higher up among the foliage than his head and body to do and with his right calf caught in the fork of a branch so as to arrest all progress and especially as the captain was plainly too much for the branch which was drooping toward the water and emitting sounds premonitory of a smash with a long squeaking crash the branch stooped down to the water and as soon as the old element made itself acquainted with those parts that reached it first the gallant captain with a sort of sob redoubled his efforts and down came the faithless bow more and more perpendicularly until his nicely got up cue and bag then his powdered head and finally captain clough's handsome features went under the surface when this occurred he instantaneously disengaged his legs with a vague feeling that his last struggle above water was over his feet immediately touched the bottom he stood erect little above his middle and quite out of the main current within half a dozen steps of the bank and he found himself he scarcely knew how on terra firma impounded in a little flower-garden with lilacs and laburnums and sweetbriars and through a window close at hand whom should he see but dangerfield 
who was drying his hands in a towel and as clough stood for a moment letting the water pour down through his sleeves he further saw him make some queer little arrangements and eventually pour out and swallow a glass of brandy and was tempted to invoke his aid on the spot but some little incivilities which he had bestowed upon dangerfield when he thought he cherished designs upon aunt rebecca forbade and at that moment he spied the little wicket that opened upon the road and dangerfield stepped close up to the window and cried sternly who's there with his grim spectacles close to the window the boyish instinct of hide-and-seek took possession of clough and he glided forth from the precincts of the brass castle upon the high road just as the little hall door was pushed open and he heard the harsh tones of dangerfield challenging the gooseberry bushes and hollyhocks and thrashing the evergreens with his cane clough hied straight to his lodgings and ordered a sack posset worthy mrs mason eyed him in silent consternation drenched and dishevelled wild and discharging water from every part of his clothing and decorations as he presented himself without a hat before her dim dipped candle in the hall i'll take that that vessel if you please sir that's hanging around your neck said the mild and affrighted lady meaning puddock's guitar through the circular orifice in which under the cords the water with which it was filled occasionally splashed oh eh the instrument confound it and rather sheepishly he got the grey red and gold ribbon over his dripping head and placed it in her hand without explanation he said a warming pan as quickly as may be i beg mrs mason and the posset i do earnestly request you see i-i've been nearly drowned and-and i can't answer for consequences if there be one minute's delay and up he went streaming with mrs mason's candle to his bedroom and dragged off his clinging garments and dried his fat body like a man coming out of a bath and roared for hot water for his feet and bellowed for the posset and warming-pan and rolled into his bed and kept the whole house in motion and so soon as he had swallowed his cordial and toasted his sheets and with the aid of his man rolled himself in a great blanket and clapped his feet in a tub of hot water and tumbled back again into his bed he bethought him of puddock and ordered his man to take his compliments to captain berg and lieutenant lilliman the tenants of the nearest lodging-house and to request either to come to him forthwith on a matter of life or death lilliman was at home and came puddock's drowned my dear lilliman and i'm little better the ferry-boat broke away with us do go down to the adjutant they ought to raise the salmon nets i'm very ill myself very ill indeed else i'd have assisted but you know me lilliman poor puddock tis a sad business but lose no time and can't he swim asked lilliman aghast swim 
ay like a stone poor fellow if he had only thrown himself out and held by me hang it i'd have brought him to shore but poor puddock he lost his head and i you see me here don't forget to tell him the condition you found me in and uh, and uh, now don't lose a moment so off went lilliman to give the alarm at the barrack end of chapter forty nine recording by john brandon